Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Friday on the Horn, our final hour on this Friday. We'll be back Tuesday. We'll get you one more good hour in the books here and then uh, enjoy the three-day weekend like you will too on official start of summer. And come Tuesday, we'll know if the uh, where the Longhorns are going to be heading for their NCAA tournament appearance in 2023 because they're now not going to host after their... Uh, 2-0, showing at the Big 12 tournament. Teams to beat at the Big 12 tournament right now. The 2-0 teams are Texas Tech, and no one wants to play TCU right now. You know, the same two teams Texas played and scored a grand total of three runs against Kansas and Kansas State. Texas Tech played those two teams, beat them both, and scored 30 runs. <laughs> they scored 14 and 16. Man. Uh, so TCU's gotten the bats going. They look like the Longhorns did last weekend. Uh, Texas all of a sudden went into a hitting slump, and um, they have that edge, that chip on the shoulder. Now they have injuries to deal with, and maybe that's the only bright part for the Longhorns. They, they're going to be in the tournament. Their season won't end. They just won't host. They were on the bubble to host going into the tournament, and now for sure they got to 20 losses before they got to 40 wins, which was kind of the, for me, get a couple wins here and um, you'll get to 40 victories, but now they have 20 losses and 38 wins after the two losses up there. So, but uh, maybe the only bright spot is that you know they have a week off now to get healthy. I mean, they won't play again until next Friday uh, or even Saturday, depending on how the regionals get, get uh, dropped. Yeah, uh, and, and as we've been talking about this morning, too many variables or what's going on. Do you feel sorry because you got guys that are hurt? Did guys not get ready to step up? I mean, guys, I mean, there's just a lot that was going on well, with I this think, team. I, I mean, mean, last week was so good. Did you let that get to you? Did you let the fact you know that you're still going to continue to keep playing? There's a lot of things that could happen. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, to me, it's what people love about sports. It's the unknowns. It's just, I mean, how do you go from being that good one weekend to that bad for two days? And that's how sports are. Michael Block in the PGA Tour, he goes from golf hero for four days to shoot eighty one. No, he just hit reality. That was that's all that was. That was a reality check. <laughs> well, and and I think maybe there's a parallel in both that uh, the game, those two games in particular, golf and baseball, they'll humble you very quickly. Uh, just when you think you got things figured out, just when you feel like, man, I'm on top of the world, the game will smack you right in the face. And, uh, you know, it, it's they're games of skill. And uh, well, Yeah, I mean, one is, one is an individual sport. The other one is a team sport, and that individual. But there's so many individual, battle, individual battles within the team, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the pitcher versus the hitter, the one-on-one matchup. And, um, you know, I just remember our, our late great friend Augie Garrido so many times telling us, man, it, he would always compare for his players golf, oh, yeah. golf to baseball. He didn't play a lot of golf, Augie, but he understood that uh, as a, in a game of skill like that, the, the minute you think you've got the game licked, the game will lick you uh, and will we'll come back at you. 
And, yeah, if you don't play with the, the proper edge, you don't play with the proper – because that's what David Pierce said on Tuesday to us was, hey, for finally for one weekend our team put it all together and they played with that, that intense focus pitch to pitch. And everybody was taking great at-bats and kind of handing the baton up and down the lineup. And then the pitching staff fed off of that because they got to pitch with leads all, all weekend. And uh, bullpen pitched great. The defense was rock, rock solid. And, you know, these two games there, it, none of that happened. And um, it, trying to put your finger on it will drive yourself crazy. I'm sure David Pierce is doing so. So I think the only thing you can do is try to build on the West Virginia game and get them back to that. And at the same time, try to get yourself healthy. You get Jared Thomas off his feet for a week and uh, – you know, try to get you know figure out what's going on with Heston Toll. Doesn't look good for David Shaw, your left-handed reliever. That didn't look good in early reports or not. David Pierce was not real optimistic with his uh, thoughts in the post game. And you also have Peyton Powell, your third baseman, dealing with a rib cage issue. Um, you know, never a good thing to go to in a 0 and 2. But same time, now you you lose on a Wednesday, you're off until you get 10 days, essentially to you know try to get yourself right and get ready to go play. We'll find out on Sunday who the 16 host teams are in the regionals, and then we'll find out on Monday the full field of 64 in the NCAA tournament. I learned something from you, Buck, just in that break. What's that, you said this weekend that you were going to make some shish kebabs. Yes, shish kebabs. <laughs> it says golf, and, golf, baseball, and women. Just when you think you have it figured out, curveball. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, so you're making shish kebabs, and I opined to you, Openly, what is the difference between a kebab and a shish kebab? Never known this in all my 50 years. Do you know that there is a difference? No, I do not. So it says here that uh, the two dishes are similar. Main difference is that a shish kebab, traditionally made of meat, of cubes of meat and vegetables, threaded onto a skewer. A kebab is made with ground meat that is shaped into a patty or log or grilled. Really? Yes. Who knew? So you're I'm kebab and chicken, though. I'm doing some chicken. Probably one. Like diced chicken? Yeah, one meat, one chicken. Then that'll be a shish kebab. Shish kebab, yeah. Shish kebab. I'm a kebab fan. Are you? Yes. I'm you a like big little, fan, too. Are you, do you like them. the little vegetables that go along with all that oh, stuff? Yeah. Oh, that's Gil the best zucchini, stuff. Grilled vegetables. Red onions. Did you say the word zucchini, meaning in the squash family? Yeah. Buck Put whatever you want that. on it. Yeah, Buck is not a good... Really? Look at those, man. Those are there's a picture. There's some squash right there. You That's have, all grilled. You, you haven't had some good grilled zucchini and squash. Though. I need someone to give me the recipe to do that because I automatically think of okra, squash, same family. No. And I started automatically started to throw up in my own mouth. No, it's good stuff. It all is. In. Put a little mushroom on it. My there favorite too. kebabs are, are Ooh, a mixture like of, some of shrimp. Good like some blackened shrimp and a good piece of steak. Some you know, cubed up pieces of ribeye or I'm gonna do that tonight too, Bucky. Well, a little shish kebab. You. There you Thank go. Thank you for the inspiration. Good luck. Head on over Man, to. Hey, make sure you soak your bamboo shoots or or skewers, whatever you use. Before. We have metal skewers. At our, to make oh, sure look you, at you. Make sure you don't uh, grab them. Is there something about the <laughs> wood? That, off the grill. Is there something you, about the wood that can give me cancer or no, something? Because you, just, you don't want it to catch on fire on the grill. That's right. And you want to soak it for you know thirty minutes to an hour before. Thank you. Get that chef tie with the chef key. tie. And if you are using Very the uh, metal skewers, they will get hot. So don't grab don't, it. Don't stick it. And put it in your <laughs> mouth. Don't, you don't put it on your tongue. Or just grab it off the damn thing. Make sure you're using tongs or an oven mitt or whatever you got there. I've been pretty good so far with my little barbecue grill that I've been doing lately, but I've had some trouble with sausage. E. The ones that said make sausage that plain just greasiest. go. Boom. Are you are you That's cooking raw raw sausage or are you pre pre cooked? So you just throw it on the grill to get a little flavor heated up. I no, I I do the whole thing on the grill. Okay. There's no they're pre that that is it. So I've got a 
learn temperature wise. You got to start at a low, like a medium temp. There you go. Okay, so I make uh, it where the whole top of the thing is just like lit. Lit. Well, whatever you're grilling this weekend, certainly enjoy it. And uh, as we've said all morning, make sure you're on Monday. You're you're remembering the fallen. Absolutely. Uh, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our country. That's what Memorial Day is all about. Those who didn't come home and um, you know, served our country, volunteered in most cases to serve our country, and then never returned to their loved ones. And that's uh, Memorial Day for sure. Uh, and all of the wars and all of the branches of our military. We would also say all the first responders, Buck. Absolutely. You know, because those are also chosen professions, and they put their lives on the line and go into danger instead of you know, when everyone else is running. So we appreciate them as well, but that is not part of the Memorial Day, but we include it because we appreciate our first responders, uh, especially the ones that have lost their lives in uh, in, the, in the field uh, this year for sure. Hey, Buck, the uh, shish kebab debate also leads to uh, this back to the Texas baseball team, but whose job is it to have them ready to play? That would be David Pierce. Well, look. It's the same guy who got him ready to play for the West Virginia game. Yeah. I don't know that he changed his strategy. I don't I don't see David Pierce you know, losing his his focus. I mean, the players have to take to the you – know, this is where the one thing I, I, I took or one of the things I took from our conversation with David Pierce is he really described what went on with West Virginia as player-driven, right? They, like the, the players, after they lost to San Jose State in the first game of that doubleheader on May 12th, they were the ones that were in the locker room and, and said, you know what, we don't want to have this feeling again. We let a game get away that we shouldn't have. And they went out and went five and zero and scored seventy runs and dominated. Yeah. And that's why I said that's why you had to have that maturity. Yeah, that you understand what this is all about. And sure, David Pierce, it all ends at his feet. There's no doubt about it. It's his ball club, the good and the bad. And that was a bad couple of games. But the players also have to have some accountability to yes. them. We we now know where the bar is. We know what we're capable of, and that was not what you saw. You also give Kansas and Kansas State some credit. Kansas, you know, you did face their best pitcher, but yesterday was the more disappointing. I can see the Kansas thing in that. You know, they, they, they threw a, a six-game winner, one of the better pitchers in the Big 12 Conference, and he pitched really well. Lucas Gordon wasn't as good. And then, you know, the, the grand slam in the seventh inning, uh, if Travis Staley gets it out there, who knows where that game goes. That's one of those. This game, though, the Longhorns at 9 in the morning never really felt like they woke up. They faced a pitcher that almost had a 6 ERA. He was a, normally a reliever, and he dominated Texas. I mean, give him credit, but it did And that's on you as a player. That's You have to bring your own energy with you to the ballpark then. Yeah. You got to bring your mojo, man, and uh, that's a can't guy have you should hit. have been can't able be to too, get after. Yeah, he can't be too hit. And you know, LeBaron Johnson Jr. wasn't his best, but he only gave up two runs. I mean, it was it was a two two nothing game into the seventh inning, and that's when David Shaw went to the mound, and um, you know he ended up with the bases loaded. That's when he left with an injury, and poor Charlie Hurley came in the game, not only as a reliever with the bases loaded and nobody out. It was a three zero count. To the first batter he was facing, that's a, a, a small a margin for errors you can come in with. And he ended up giving up. He walked that batter and then hit a batter, and he was not uh, great in, great either, but came into a tough situation. I would just say this. I mean, one of the things about the West Virginia series was the offense was so aggressive and scored so many early runs, that made it so much easier on the pitching staff. And that's how those things go hand in hand. You, If your offense is, is taking – you know, taking the t- the game to the the opponent and giving you early leads, and all of a sudden the pitching staff is in a much more comfortable position. That didn't happen in these two games. Your your pitchers were you're playing from behind in both games. Uh, the, you know, K State Kansas got the early lead. K State got the early lead, and uh, the uh, Texas offense never never showed up. Yeah, and now series. you won't be playing with your home crowd. No, that's uh, you're going to be playing against a, a rowdy crowd, and maybe, maybe that's part of it. The Longhorns are over their last six in um, that ballpark dating back to last year. 
Uh, that is a major league park. It's quiet, and you know, especially at nine in the morning. But you know, Kansas State seemed to manage and do fine. And as we said, the two teams that are two and zero and not playing today that that are secured into the weekend are Texas Tech and TCU. Oklahoma will play Oklahoma State today. Loser goes home. Winner advances, and uh, Kansas will play Kansas State. To yeah, advance. I think just sometimes young, West Virginia's out too. You know, you you win the regular season championship East. Sometimes you still don't understand the importance of still going on to, to win that tournament, you know what I mean? Because cause you will, like I said, that whole human nature deal, we will be playing on past this. You know, we don't have to be at our very best because we still have an opportunity, whether we play at home or away, our season's not over Well, with. and that's the thing about that for West Virginia. They just played themselves. Yes. Gonna, I mean, they're going to make it into the tournament. They're in. They just won't host now. Uh, and that, that last five games for them was brutal. Texas is in the same boat. They right. Have, because they didn't, you know, they had a lot to play for. Texas is coming that's back I, home that's to host I mean. the regional, yeah. and that's why it was so surprising and for that, fans. That is a lot that you had to play for. Well, to host it here, yes, get that seven thousand people behind you and uh, play with that momentum. And we just saw with West Virginia. Now, not it's not going to be the case. There has been some speculation of Texas going to to the Stanford Palo Alto regional. They've been there before, but uh, not in a while. That would be a tough spot, but. Um, you know, the best case would be going to Dallas Baptist if they end up hosting, but uh, they're, they're because they performed pretty well in the Conference USA tournament. Uh, the other parallel was Michael Block as he went from PGA Championship hero. Brooks Kepka won the event, but he became the story at uh, Rochester. Then he came out yesterday after. Remember, he, we played the audio of him being invited to play in the tournament, and he was in tears and because he was, you know, still celebrating finishing in the top 15 at the PGA Championship, qualifying for next year's. And he gets a phone call from an unknown number, and it's the, the director guy running the Colonial and invites him to come play. This is your point of the routine, right? At that yeah, point, Yeah, it's a different environment for this guy. Week in, week out, those other players, they do that. Whether they make the cuts, they're yeah. professional golfers. He was planning to go back and be teaching lessons sure, this week at the right. golf club in California. And all of a sudden, he's, he's heading On to Florida. On the radio, War. doing interviews. Oh, he was doing podcast interviews. Yeah. and. Probably should have said, you know what, I'm not going to have Well, no, it's hard to say no. I know, I know. It's impossible to say no. If the colonial calls, you take it. Well, I mean, even to do podcasts and radio, I mean, that's that's your your one time, you know, in the light right there. You got to take advantage of that. I mean, you can understand it, but he's not used to it. So his his mind isn't used to that week-in, week-out grind that those guys do on the PGA Tour. That's tough. Going on interviews and stuff like that's draining. You're doing oh, that all well, day. And the whole well, week, I mean, that, that whole weekend and week in, in Rochester sure. had to completely drain him dry. His uh, bank emotions. account is different. <laughs> He's got 300000 new dollars. Yeah. I don't and, think anyone expected him, besides my girlfriend, who I mentioned earlier, he's now her favorite golfer, expected him to do anything in no, any of these upcoming tournaments. I mean, oh, it no. should have been, but 81 is a big number. I mean, when the leader is at 8 under, shot 62, you were 19 strokes behind the leader. Uh, that is that is not a good day. That's not a good day. But that's golf. Kind of like we talk about that's baseball. That's and, golf. And I don't think his words, what he said about Rory, were wrong. I mean, you 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 got to be confident playing that game, even when you're playing. Yeah, that raised some as, eyebrows because yeah. he, he did a podcast interview in which he some the guy asked him, having played with Rory, what separates you from his game? And you know, it was a good question. And I think that's just one of the things he's trying to say that separates. Well, he was pretty adamant, and we can play this coming up. But he said because he said the distance. I mean, Rory, if I play, if I got to play where Rory is, three hundred and fifty yards down the field, down the fairway, and I mean, I could compete with the best players in the world. My short game and my approach game is good enough. Uh, but 
you know, and, 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 you know, I think a lot of people would be, I mean, what does separate the best from the best is the ability to hit it, you know, 350 yards. Pretty and straight then, like Rory does, th- yeah. And then you're hitting wedges into to greens not hitting longer irons. Well, he's pretty confident in himself. I and, mean, well, he, I got know, he, that part. And he was, he was pretty confident that if he could have that distance, which he can't, he's 46 Yeah, you years don't get old. to go out there and lay the ball right where you want to. Yeah. And, and then people got, thought that was a little bit over his skis. But, you know, if you're short. That's why I said I like it. I like the confidence and, and what he's yeah. talking about. Yeah, for sure, but you know, and we'll never know because he's never going to be able to hit the ball that far. But he <laughs> no. says that's the biggest separator uh, is the distance uh, for him. Look, he's a really good player. I mean, he's obviously going to finish top fifteen in a world class field on a very tough golf course. So the guy can play golf. There's no doubt about that. And to your point of routine, he's not yeah, used to this new routine of his. And uh, he shot himself a smooth eighty-one, huh? Eighty-one. I'd like to be shooting a smooth 81 myself these days. <laughs> Me too. Not 101. <laughs> I'll take 81. Not 91. That's a decent round for sure. I'm going to look at his scorecard coming up because he did. he also hit one off the pedestrian bridge. He actually hit the shot. He, his tee shot went rolling down the cart path, and it rolled up on the bridge. No drop for him. He's, he I'm didn't drop this it. Bad he boy. went ahead and hit it, and he hit a pretty damn good shot up over the trees. Yeah, but he was he was. Uh, yeah, we need to see that card. We there's some snowmen there somewhere. This says he didn't say he would compete with the best in the world. He said with that length, he would be the best in the world. Crazy statement. Oh, he did say that? Well, I, I'll go back and listen to it again. He was, I don't, well, we'll let you judge for yourself what he had to say on that. Michael Block won a podcast interview about Rory. Um, but um, and no, I'm not going to be critical of the guy. He does think if he could hit it that far, he'd be among the best in the game. And uh, again, he just showed for four days that he can play with anybody. Um, and, you know, great field. Uh, maybe he'll get an opportunity now at 46 years old to do so. We'll be back. We'll pick this up. Also more on the Longhorn Baseball uh, tournament ending and previewing the big weekend that will include the Boston Celtics trying to do something no NBA team has ever done. They're halfway to it. And the rest of a, a busy Memorial Day weekend here on B&E. American girls and American guys We'll always stand up and salute We'll always Recognize when we see old glory flying. There's a lot of men dead. So we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our heads. My daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye. Yeah, Memorial Day weekend for you. Good show, choice there, Ty. Well, Toby Keith, and uh, on to your weekend after today. Most of you, a lot of you already probably started up your weekend, Buck. Oh, yeah. Taking Friday off or enjoying uh, a little less, uh, more str- less stressful Friday. Uh, we'll hear Michael Block coming up. And we'll let you decide if he was a little over his skis, confident-wise, <laughs> going into the Colonial and shot 81. Also, I will tell you that at the Colonial right now, second-round action is underway in Fort Worth, and uh, Harry Hall is still your leader. He won't tee off till this afternoon. He shot a 62 yesterday, the uh, 25-year-old uh, Englishman. Uh, but there is now a new sole leader in second place, and it's the man with the worst name in all of golf, Adam Shank. Oh, Can you think of a golfer with a worse name than Adam Shank? I want that word. A kicker with Adam Shank would be bad, too, but that's not good. Adam what, was, Sh- what was the guy, Corey Blewett? <laughs> Corey Blewett. The guy with the last name Blewett, the kicker? Oh, no. Yeah, Adam Shank. And he is number. He's up to seven under now, three under for his round today. Harris English. Uh, our man, Scotty Scheffler, will tee off this afternoon. He is... Uh, Five off the pace at three under par. But uh, also the cool story there of Tom Hoagie. I like he's the Hoagie a, man. He's a good player. A TCU guy, though. So yep. he's playing right there in Fort Worth, and I'm sure he'll be wearing his purple 
and maybe even trying to run down and catch some baseball because the TCU baseball team are lighting it up at the Big 12 baseball tournament so far, and they will not play today. Obviously, they'll play tomorrow waiting on uh, winner. It says, Toby is a Sooner. Don't ever play that again. <laughs> He's the, I mean, I, I respect the Sooners. I've said is that, that the most likable of the Sooners? Yes. Well, Jalen Hurts is the most likable oh, Sooner. Well, you're a Cowboy fan, so you can't say that. that. He's a pretty boy. I'll give, I'll give him that. He's a handsome lad. He could do Hollywood acting. Uh, I like Jalen Hurts, so I will say that because he's a Texas kid, Channel View, Texas, Alabama. Great leader. It's hard for me not to like Jalen Hurts. I know because he's a, a Cowboy nemesis guy at Philadelphia. The Cowboys fans won't like him. I'm, I'm Old man's a coach. That's a funny. That's an interesting question. Who's your favorite Sooner? Like who's your favorite player of your rival? I never watched him live, but the boss. Oh man, Longhorn fans hate Brian oh, Bosworth. That's know, not I'm, a good choice. I, I know no, you're gonna get upset about choice. that one. I, obviously, it's, there's a there's a time difference with me being younger, but he he had a son. He lives in Austin, and I know I, he does. One he, of his sons went to Westlake, so I'd see him around at basketball games and stuff. And he was a nice, cool guy. So yeah, I, the Boz does live here in Austin. That's absolutely true. You might see him out at the gym some days. My biggest nemesis would be Tony Dorsett. I had to grow up around him, and then also watch him kill me in college, <laughs> and then with the Cowboys. Oh. Good that's right. Lord. Yeah, that's a tearaway jersey, son of a gun. Okay, yeah, your favorite player for your biggest rival. And that's hard to find because most of them is like for the Aggies. Who's your favorite Aggie? Mine's Chad, I guess. Chad Hastings. Oh, are we talking player? Yeah, <laughs> favorite Aggie's Chad for sure. I have a lot of friends that went to A&M. I would be Dad Wynn. Oh! Because I used yeah, to watch Cowboy. Ricky destroy that dude. Good one. <laughs> I enjoyed a nice dinner with that win one time, and re- you weren't there with me. That was when I was doing the show with Sean Adams, the late, great Sean Adams. Ricky loved playing against him. He said, I will pummel this guy. <laughs> He's the <laughs> nicest guy. You know, we were at the Super Bowl. We were covering the Super Bowl in New Orleans, which was uh, Baltimore and San Francisco, the Harbaugh Bowl. And um, you know, we, we did our show at Radio Row, and then right next to us was the San Antonio station, and uh, that win was doing radio for them. And so we all went to dinner uh, down in New Orleans and had a great meal. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Could not have been. And it was pretty cool because the restaurant was really good. He grew up down there on the coast, and he, he knows good good seafood and good uh, food. And he was like, man, it's like the best place I've ever been before. Yeah, Ricky never talked very much, but there were two players that he, 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 he actually voiced his opinion about what I would do to them. And one was in the championship game against Grant Winstrom. Grant play, Winstrom, yeah. Winstrom. That was all everything for Nebraska, and he destroyed him. And any time he played against Dad, when he said – I'm going out of my way to have head-to-head contact with that dude. He just mauled. Well, that's him. the one thing you knew and about. And he was da- a little guy. Dad, he was not big. Linebacker wasn't very big. Well, that's the one thing you knew about Dad. He was going to be in the right place. Now, could oh, he tackle yeah. Ricky Williams by oh, himself? Oh my goodness, no. Not not likely. But uh, so we'll take the, some of those suggestions. Your favorite all-time player, Roy Williams for the Sooners, the safety oh. because then he went to play for the Cowboys. Yeah, man, just watching him horse collar guys back. They they he changed a, the rule because of him pretty much. He was right? a beast. He was an unbelievable player. Oh, he was out to hurt you when he played. So first you have to determine who your biggest rival is. Then you have to find your favorite player. Yeah. A&M is A&M's my most hated rival. I'd say Oklahoma is the biggest rival. Okay. okay. Competitive-wise. Mine's as they do with the outfit on and the spear. You know A&M. what, Shaggy, I like a lot is uh, R.C. Slocum. Love him. Love that guy. That's I a did good too. dude. That is a good I haven't man. liked many of the Aggie coaches, and I, I'm not a huge fan of Jimbo uh, at this point. I, I like Jimbo stealing money. from a comedic Guy's standpoint. stealing money down there. R.C. Slocum's a good man. Great man. Great man. Something else. Um, like I said, those, those teams, now, he took over right when Jackie Sherrill got caught cheating and whatnot, and uh, he kept the winning going, but uh, I was a big fan of R.C. Hey, uh, let's play this sound. So let's play Michael Block. 
So here's Michael Block. I sent you these on Twitter there, T.Y., and uh, they should be there. So let's go to the first one where he was on a podcast this week. Of course, he finished top 15 at the PGA Championship, played the Sunday round with Rory, um, made the hole-in-one, all the moments. And here is the question and answer for Michael Block on what keeps him from what has kept him from competing on the PGA Tour. If you are a golfer, you've had the day I had, and you understand no. the facts of where the life That's the wrong one, Ty. That's the one talking about his 81. Play the uh, the final one I between sent his you. Game, so what's the difference between his game on, would you, I mean, you'd assume that Rory is a better golfer than you are? He's a lot longer than I am. That's what it is. Okay, so that the, the length is the big thing. Oh, my God. What I would shoot from where Rory hits it would be stupid. What, I, I, what is I, the I think I'd be, be one of the best players in the world. How Really? Hands down. Oh, if I had if I had that stupid length, I all all day, my 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 iron game, wedge game, around the greens, and my putting is 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 world class. All right, so it's all about length. It's all about length. Don't forget it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you could go place your ball where you wanted to, and then you got to your wedge game, he feels very confident about his wedge and putting game. That's, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, and I would say that there's a but lot. But you of don't golf. get to go put your ball. No. Where Rory's ball is. Well, and people then looked up his stats and said, "Well, he's look, well, if he's talking about if I'm hitting my approach shot from where Rory's hitting his approach yes. shot, th- then you'd have to look at my stats. Yeah, I'm hitting it from 80 yards behind Rory McIlroy. But how would he ever know that? He, well, it's not like he's ever hitting it from where. Yes, Rory. he is. I mean, if you look at his numbers on par fives, if he's making it a three-shot hole on a par five, that's a r- equivalent to what Rory's doing on par fours. When when you're playing a long par five and you're a three, to me a three-shot hole, typically your third shot onto the green is going to be. You know, 100 yards. And so that's what he's talking about. If I could hit my approach shots on these par fours from 100 yards out. Now, again, that, that, is that overconfidence or confidence? He believes. I think, he, I think that's just being confident. I don't think that's overconfident I at mean, all. you've got to believe it. You just got that's, top 15 in the PGA Championship. There, there's a reason why you were top 15. It's and not his, blind and luck. And in his mind, he's thinking, and that was, I'm not a long knocker. I'm not this guy bas- bashing at 330, 340, 350 down the fairway. I, I put, finished top 15 because of my ability to get up and down, my putting, my short game. Um, and, and, you know, I can't go for the green and two on most par fives on the PGA Tour. And yet he was there competing and playing, you know, in the final few groups on a Sunday. Uh, so there's merit to it. But then, yes, golf will humble you. Maybe- and once again, you're talking, talking to a guy who's not used to this on a weekend and week out basis, and you're sticking a mic in yeah. front of his face and he's doing interviews. And generally, he's out back. With you know, eighteen uh, year old, nineteen year old hitting balls and helping them with their game. I mean, that's not what he does for a living. I mean, yeah. he doesn't do this, this interview thing. Him. Yeah, it's all well, new. And let's also say at the PGA Championship, he knew he was one of twenty PGA teaching pros to qualify. Sure. He knew that that's the course he was going to be playing on. He could study that course and prepare for that course and work and practice towards playing there. You know, this was he got called to play at Colonial Sunday evening. Yeah, and I mean, you know, yeah. it shows up, and you know this is brand new. And you're right, the week he had, but 81. Look, but Rory McIlroy shot 81 before uh, at the Masters in <laughs> the Sunday when he had to go home. It yeah. can happen to all golfers. And let's hear Michael Block. That was his the comment you were we played first, Ty. Where you know if you're a golfer, you've had the day like he had yesterday. <laughs> Even your good shots are bad, your bad shots are worse, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you know what? It is what it is. I'm gonna live with it. Uh, I thought it was going to happen that third or fourth round last week at uh, Oak Hill and it never happened, right? And so it happened now, and I wasn't surprised by it, to tell you the truth, because the experience I had last, that last week was uh, next level, right? And so today, coming out here and not having my game at all and having a lot of bad luck or whatever you might call it, just call it golf. And it's, it is what it is. And at the same time, I sat there and I thought about it. I said, I'm going to see my boys tomorrow night. 
This guy's a crybaby. Looking forward to coming out tomorrow. He's been uh, this has a been a round. It's been an emotional it's week. It's been an emotional week. You can see his kids for the first time in a while. Absolutely, and that's cool. See my kids tomorrow. Glad. I mean, you got humbled and and you had a a great two weeks, and now you go about your business of hitting balls in the shed and somebody shagging balls for you. Shagging balls. Yeah. And our friend uh, Lamar points out a great golfer himself. He said that hole in one that was so famous was a seven iron from one fifty one. Most pros are using a pitching wedge from one fifty one, which is true. Oh, that would be me in a seven wood. <laughs> one fifty one. Well, one fifty one. I hit an eight iron these days. I used to be a nine, but now talking about my, my lack of flexibility. It's now an eight. Three wood cutter. But I might if, if I got a little bit of breeze, I might hit the nine still at one fifty. Yeah, you but, hit irons. I, I'm past the irons. I'm getting used to those really old dude clubs now. Seven woods, nine woods. I just, I, I think, and it's, they don't show up on the scorecard. That's the thing. You know, there's no pictorials on scorecards when you make birdies and things like that. Well, I would you know say I mean? this for... Uh, you don't have to show anybody anything. It's amazing in golf. And, and there are probably a lot of people that are like Michael Block who, you know, if I had an extra 100 yards of distance and I was hitting pitching wedges 150, it's a different game. You're playing a different game. But that's a different level of talent. And so that's when, right. he's admitting that. You <laughs> I mean, there's a different talent level. But, yes, if I could play up where Rory is, my, my short game, but there's a million guys like that. Uh, and really, it's amazing, Buck, what separates winners and losers in golf. I mean, it's a stroke or two around. It's a putt or two that doesn't go in. I mean, it, you watch some of those cues, those qualifying school rounds. Good golfers, are, you're right. Those things are brutal. And you would go out with one of those guys and say, this guy's unbelievable. This guy, I mean, I go, we go do stuff. Our, our, our new Butler pitch and putt video with Omar Uresti is up. And I go play with Omar uh, when we do these things. And Omar is amazing. I mean, he doesn't hit a bad shot. Everything's right at the pin. Uh, you know, his tee shots are, are right down the middle, wherever he wants to hit them. He's so in control of his golf ball. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he hasn't had a ton of success as a professional because it's so hard. It is such a hard sport, and there's so many great players. Boys there ever. And so for Michael Block to have one weekend like that where he had four great rounds and competed with the best players in the world, that's magical stuff. It really, really I is. I got an opportunity to be around a guy named Phil Blackmar to play to Texas. I was at an event with uh, with, the, with coaches, and he had a ball tie that was one foot away from me on a on on the card path on the cement on the cement there. And he said, "Stay right there," and he was going to hit this ball. He was going to elevate this ball one, like one foot in front of where I was over my head and just flop it. And dude, I let him do that. I have never been so scared in my life. That ball just kind of eased up over the top. You know, it was almost visually you could see the ball as it went right over and just flopped right right behind me. Did this off the cart path, off the cart path. I mean, one like one, a foot away. I'm like, no, this is going to hit me in the n- no, it's going to hit me in the chin. Nope, he just flopped it right over me. And he was a big dude. Bill Blackmore is huge. He's a big man. Yeah, he is. I remember him. Somebody said uh, golf is a four-letter word for a reason. That is true. And Michael Block is true too. I mean, I said this earlier, but I think most golfers even. Amateurs like us, amateur hackers, would tell you that your worst rounds typically come when you're feeling your most confident. At least for me, and I've heard from a lot of folks who said the same that you're coming off a round where you, you know, you flirted with getting in the 70s and you had a great round, and you're like, man, I can't wait to get back to that tee oh. box. And those are typically when the wheels fall off because you're too confident. You're too, man, I got this. Because the minute you start thinking you got it figured out, uh, it'll humble you in a, in a heartbeat. And to his point of your good shots. Are bad. I mean, what he's saying there is, you actually hit a good drive, but it ends up, 
you know, bouncing in the wrong direction or, or off a tree. And yeah, unless you, you know, unless you got a nanny where you the, can go play golf all day long and don't have to worry about anything. Hello. The nanny will take care of the kids. <laughs> Here we go. You get to go play golf, and well, you're, you know, you got to practice a lot to be. Husbands will pick up the kids. You get to be, you know. I think the 81 and then, you know, reminds us just how magical that four-days was. He even said it. Like, Absolutely. I was expecting to blow up at some point over last weekend and show, shoot one of these. Because I don't – because remember, he plays golf, he teaches golf, but he's not practicing to be a, a no. championship pro all the time. He's practicing. Once in a lifetime opportunity yeah, that's he, come his way. And that's has, why that weekend was so magical, and now he's going to ride that wave. And, uh, you know, 81 is – Humbling. Humbling. Yeah, yes. That game will humble you really, really fast. Uh, speaking of the Q school, I knew a guy here locally, Buck, who, who tried to qualify for Q school several times. He was playing on, like, the lower tours, the, the Corn Ferry Tour, and he told me one time that over the course of his uh, season on the Corn Ferry Tour, he counted up, like, six shots, six strokes that kept him from getting his card. Six. Like putts, almost, usually putts, too. Can you imagine that? The margin between becoming a professional and not – is six putts. A, a shot. I mean, one shot around. Oh, yeah. It's one shot around that keeps you from from making it. I mean, it is. Uh, it's a brutal game for sure. Um, baseball can be brutal too. Longhorns found that out after their uh, uh, apex moment of the season, collapsing with two losses at the Big Twelve tournament. We'll recap. Also, we'll get you uh, one more thought. The uh, Celtics have punched back in the Eastern Conference Finals after falling into a 3-0 hole. They've won back-to-back games. Should the Heat be scared? We'll pick that up on the other side here on B and E. It's Bucky and Aaron. Yeah, take this into the weekend. Make it your mindset. Don't worry. Be safe. Be smart. Make good decisions. But, uh, you know, everything will be all right. That's right. For Michael Block, everything's going to be all right. Oh, man. Come on now. Little Judy's going to have that to pay an extra $7,500 for a lesson from you. Without a doubt. But that's, is he going to up his price, is he? Or is that he's going to be a humble guy? He's going to ride this wave. He's going to ride that wave. He's a humble guy. He's going to be a humble guy. Look, him saying, Great opportunity. I, I, you know, with the length of Rory, I would be among the best players in the world. Is like a, a guy saying who throws 85 miles an hour saying, if I could throw you know, <laughs> 95 miles an hour, I could be a... a one and of the spot best it, yes. And that's nothing wrong with believing that, but you know that's that's, right. that's what separates you. That's the whole point. You you're not. You can't throw it 99 miles an hour. Um, you know, throw a fastball. You know, mid 90s to upper. That's what puts makes them professionals and makes you a teaching pro. Um, but it doesn't mean it's a, not a great story for golf. Not a great you know feel good story for the game. And uh, I, yeah, the 81 was coming. I know, I know 81, but a round like that was because even the best in the world do that. Yeah, have those kind of rounds. From time to time, even Tiger Woods. What would be the narrative if he, if he would have shot like a sixty-four? Well, I mean that would like this, put this guy get this guy his tour card. Well, the, the, the game of golf, he could come back and shoot sixty-eight today. He really could. I mean, that's just the sport, and that's what happens. As we say, anybody that even plays casual rounds of golf sure. knows that um, typically your worst rounds happen, come after your best rounds, and then your best rounds come when you feel terrible and you want to quit the game. Is usually when you find something and go out and have a really good round. So. Uh, you know, pros no different. Uh, just a lot better. Just a lot better. Uh, the Boston Celtics have gotten a lot better, Buck. Or of the uh, you know to the UT baseball Michael Block have they lost their edge? The Miami Heat. It feels like the team that you know is playing. We still haven't seen these two teams in my mind play a plus games at the same time. Um, and that's 
That's uh, when are we going to get that becomes the question because the Miami Heat dominated the first three games. The, the then maybe let their guard down a little bit. The Celtics have bounced back, and the big difference is they're playing defense and they're hitting three pointers. Their defense has turned to turnovers for the Heat. They've had over thirty turnovers in the last two games. Yeah, Marcus Smart was had five or six steals last night. Five, five steals, wow. and yeah, I mean that's. So is that lack of focus for the Heat, or is it an adjustment from the Celtics and Joe Missoula that they've turned up their intensity on the defensive end and it's giving them more trouble? Jimmy Butler guaranteed the win. They said, we'll win this series. Um, we're going to win this series. And Michael Jordan's son needs, can be prophetic. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly can be prophetic tomorrow night. Uh, but well, his, he needs to get it done tomorrow night because Game 7 will not be. The odds, of course, and the numbers would tell you they're not going to come all the way back. It's not been done in 150 Series, I'm going to go ahead and call it. I don't care if I'm I'm jinxing them; they're going to do it. The Celtics will be the first. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll I come back. We'll come back bet. Tuesday. Now I'm feeling good. That automatically makes me. <laughs> you, but you're but you're a gambler. You have to believe in the trends. The trends would tell you avoid that bet. And sometimes zero for one fifty. Sometimes you got to zig when everyone's zagging. Um, it's worth the value. Well, I was going to – I mean, last, remember I, we left the show yesterday saying that the Celtics were an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. How can that be? And mm. they covered that easily <laughs> last night. The game was a wire-to-wire win. Uh, so, you know, Eric Spolster's side has some work to do. That'll sounds be like tomorrow a money, Sounds like a money line for the Celtics. Potentially. Tomorrow, yeah. It's in South Beach, on South Beach. Uh, and then, of course, that would set up a game seven if they were able to steal that one. That would take it back to Boston on Monday, on Memorial if, Day. If you're going to pick Boston tomorrow night, go ahead and just take them whatever they're at to win the series. I'm, I'm, it's at least like plus 600. 4-0 oh, now in this really? postseason when facing elimination. They beat the uh, Sixers twice, and they've now beaten it's, uh, the Heat twice. Well, that was a whipping from the beginning to the end last night. Well, yeah, it was. And that's, that's where Celtic fans are like, well, where was that in the first three games? You guys have the better players. And somebody questioned when I said they have two top ten players in the league. Listen, you can rank the top ten players, but Jalen, Jalen, Jason Tatum was a first-team All-NBA. Jalen Brown was second-team All-NBA. Yep. So at least right now, those two guys are playing as two of the you know, ten best players in this league, uh, and they weren't playing like it. The whole team wasn't playing well. They've got more ammo than the Heat do. Oh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if there's a team that's going to do it, it's going to be a you know one-slash-two seed coming all the way back against an eight seed. But uh, right. I still don't think it's going to happen. Buck, have a great weekend. You too, guys. You guys be safe. Everybody be safe. Ty, Please. enjoy your gambling, and you guys make some kebabs or something. Kebabs. And grill them up. Enjoy your, your frosty ones. Be safe. If you missed any part of this show, including Rodney Rodriguez previewing the big racing weekend with the Indy 500 and Coca-Cola 600, that's uh, right there on our podcast, hornfm.com. Craig Way, Light the Tower, next.